Before we get started with today's episode, we have a sponsor. The episode today is brought to you by EH Coverings, LLC, the originator of the firefighter-created leather helmet. Are you tired of price not matching your quality? Do you wish your money went a little bit further? What are your feelings about big corporation telling you how and what to do or what to wear? Well, our friends at EH Coverings have started a revolution. They decided the price hike on leather helmets in early 2023 was the final straw. Firemen shouldn't have to have their culture held hostage or pushed out the door in search of a profit margin. They are bringing back American-made leather fire helmets of high quality and reasonable cost. Join the revolution today. Follow our friends on Instagram at eh underscore coverings and support their business at ehcoverings.com. Everybody, welcome back. This is going to be episode number 42 of the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast, The Functional Fire Company with Chief Scott Thompson. Chief, thanks for joining us and uh, please give everybody a really quick uh, introduction to who you are and for those that may not know you. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Scott Thompson. I'm currently the fire chief in the colony, Texas. We're just north of Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, started in the volunteer fire service in October of 1981. Started my career with Plano, Texas in January of 1986. Worked a couple places, um, but just uh, still loving it. Coming up on 40 years. I start my 38th year, I think, uh, January 6th. So, uh, just uh, still loving it. I got a great organization. We're doing some really cool things. We're a, we're a small five station department. I uh, got a hundred members and um, have a lot of growth and a lot of fun things going on. That's probably the important stuff. So you think? Do you think thirty eight years is a pretty good amount of experience to kind of understand what culture you think would be? I and I say well, that yes, but <laughs> you've had your experience you know, with culture. I'm still I'm still learning a lot about it. I'm probably learning more today than I ever have. I'm a student of it and I'm just trying to figure out this thing that this 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 calling that we all love and trying to uh get a little insight to how we can make it a little bit better and what what happens when things go astray. So I'm I'm still a student and I'm still trying to learn something every day about it. You know, it's interesting because I mean, I don't I have 17 years as a career uh firefighter, 22 uh, including the volunteer time. And, you know, I got to tell you, uh, I'm a company level officer. I walk into work every day and, and I, and I honestly feel like something pops up throughout the day at some point, maybe big, maybe small, typically not that big of a deal where I feel like in my mind, I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to do about that? Or it feels like every single day, it's always something I haven't had, I've never dealt with before. And uh, you got to think on the fly and more often than not now, you know, after almost nine years of being an officer and just, I want to say common sense, but like fire department knowledge, like just being in the fire department, being in the field every day, I'm tapping into a lot of um, past experiences, what other people I think would do. And I just feel like sometimes, or not sometimes, just every single shift I go to work, I'm like, what the hell do I do now? I don't say that out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, shit. And then I tap into some type of experience I've had or call a colleague, someone on my level or the same rank or similar, you know, and more often than not, it's kind of, all right, something pops in my head. And if I'm not ready to pounce and it's, it's not time sensitive, I'll call someone and be like, yo, dude, this is what I got. This is my plan. What do you think real quick? And it's typically someone that has more time. Than me. 
actually, it's always someone that has more time. And, you know, and I'm sure you kind of do the same thing with, you know, where you're at, right? That that's very important. I have a small group, and and just like you, you know, I'm I'm dealing with a hundred individuals. Everybody's got their own goals, their own personalities, the things that they want to do, and and so every day, uh, those situations occur. And I do have a small group of people that that I call on. That and the reason I call them is because they're the ones who immediately call me a jackass and say, "Hey, you're messing up on this one," and, and that's that's kind of <laughs> right. what I want to hear. Are those that. Yeah that keep me in my lane because, you know, it's easy sometimes to just get a casual or complacent mindset and say, oh, this is just another problem and almost just go through a routine. And I don't ever want to do that. But yeah, if you have the discretionary time to think it through, to call a friend, to to just reflect, you know, uh, 24 hours to let the emotion settle down, that, that's the best way to approach any problem. Unfortunately, we don't always have that non-discretionary time and we have to make decisions here and now. And, you know, hopefully we learn from our experiences and uh, we put the ego aside and, and make the best decision for the crew. Yeah, you know, the other th- it, I agree. And the other thing that I've kind of noticed, too, it, as time goes on and, you know, sometimes I do well and sometimes I, you know, I don't is if you ever notice the ones that are not the most time sensitive can be the most damaging when it comes to um, others faith in your leadership abilities, because the ones where it's just screwed up high stress, what the hell, immediately drop on your lap and you have no time but to instinctually act. Um, I feel like those are the ones where some people may kind of be like, you know, hey man, yeah, let's just make this work. We all jump in and, you know, hopefully you've, you've created that foundation or that culture of, of guys in your, on your shift or crew or department where, you know, they're going to jump in, they know where they fall in the fray and they know, you know, they kind of, they may not necessarily say it, but they know your weaknesses are X, Y, and Z. They're going to fill in on those. You're going to fill in on theirs. And together, you guys are going to go hammer it and knock it out of the park. But those things that literally have no bearing on anything beyond just small stuff, those are the ones um, when, when you start dropping the ball on those consistently, it is extremely damaging. You could burn a house down. Yeah, we can learn from it. But some of that other stuff, the personnel stuff, the the you know not so fun side of being an officer, the 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 um, and it always feels like it's interpersonal stuff or interpersonal personnel stuff. No, you you're right. It all all personnel issues. That's that's the the worst part of the job, and sometimes the best part of the job, right? But we deal with unique individuals, type A personalities, and we work in environments where we know firefighters love to talk. And the rumors get going, and uh, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes we overthink things. The most more time that we have, we we overthink instead of going with our gut reaction or our gut feeling, which is a valuable sure. tool. So yeah, that you're you're exactly right. Sometimes uh, time is a good thing. Sometimes it can be an enemy, just depending on the sensitivity and and the emotion based. You know, if, is it somebody really popular that everybody likes, or is it somebody nobody really pays attention to? That plays into it. All those things have to be considered before you really open your mouth, because the whole world is look, or the whole organization that's over right. the company, the firehouse is looking to see how you're going to react to it. Yeah. And, you know, they're also going to kind of see what people are getting away with or what you're allowing or is the way you handled a similar situation with Bill, the way you're going to handle with Dave. And if you don't, it's not Bill and Dave you got to worry about. It's all those other guys that are watching being like, well, that's, that's interesting. Why the hell am I doing this, 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 that and the other? 
when they can just do whatever they want and you don't do anything, fuck, I'm going to go do it myself. Like what, you know? Um, and not making a decision can be more damaging than making a decision yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Letting yeah. things go can be much more telling than jumping on something and correcting it. And and I think a lot of officers fail to realize that. You know, we have a book in our promotional exam titled What You Accept is What You Teach. And it, it really highlights exactly that. The things that you let people get away with and the things that you react to swiftly all tell something about your leadership philosophy and your core values. And to some degree, even courage, right? How, how quickly sure. you're willing to take something on. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a balance though, too. You know, there's sure. a lot of, there's a lot of swooping or not swooping, uh, generalized statements like the Jockos and, and those kind of things. That, and I think guys like that, that make these broad, not, assu- not assumptions, what's the word? Broad statements of here's how you do the leadership. That let's, and you know what, let's, Let's back up a second. Let's take away the names out. Anyone that writes leadership, publishes leadership, are writing off base, basically writing off their own experiences, right? There's people that are popular, and, and I think there's people that flock to them. Why? Because it's works. They're talking, these people that write about this stuff are from their experiences. They write about their experiences very specifically, but their experiences aren't your experiences. Social media, books, movies or not movies um videos youtube training seminars all the information in the world is great if you don't interpret it correctly and apply it right so i get what i'm getting at here though is everything is all a matter of situation it's all situational and 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 the most difficult part is understanding you know when to really hit the gas and when you need to pump the brakes and, and i think you know the personalities play into effect. And, and where I'm going with this, though, is, is the culture, right? You talk about culture in your book. You've talked about culture in another interview that we talked about before the recording. And I think culture plays a substantial amount into it. And here's why. Culture, I think, affects guys with a lot of time on and affects guys with a little bit of time on. But those guys with a little bit of time on are going to have a lot of time on soon, Right. So everything they're learning when they have very little time is what they're going to be teaching when they have all that time and they have the attention of others. Um, and, and that's I think, why I always not not to interrupt you. No, go ahead. That's go the ahead. best time to change. The best time to change a culture or to, to initiate a culture change is as you as you bring new people into the organization. A large metro department by me hired three three hundred people in one year. Had they had a a commitment to what I call a chosen culture, to pursue a certain type of culture. And they started to plant the seed in those 300 members. As those members become senior men or women, company officers, that's when you start to see the the influence. And and to your point, uh, culture influences everybody. It doesn't matter if you're on the job five minutes or 50 years. Uh, The culture has an influence on everybody and everybody in the organization can have an influence on the culture. It's it's art and science, just like leadership. You know, there's there's certainly a science to the to the leadership component on human nature and human reactions and and how people think and process. But then there's also an art on how you exercise those. So so those are all very important things. And, and we don't do a good job at the American Fire Service preparing our officers 
for exactly what you're dealing with. We say, hey, go into the firehouse and just just handle it. And and hopefully, you know, you're 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 batting closer to 300 than you are to to 100. And, and you're going to probably get more wrong than you are right. But. Hopefully there's some yeah. consistency. So, well, now that you brought it up, that was what I want kind of not what I wanted to talk about, but yeah. I think you touched on a very good point of what I want to talk about now was you talked about, and, and I kind of, I got to be honest with you, I, I kind of feel this as well in my bones. I feel like, uh, you know, it was very personal with um, the, the fire service in general uh, does not prepare our leaders. And, and, and I got to tell you, when I, I went from, so the department I work for, you have to be a uh, paramedic to promote to lieutenant. And um, for the longest time to be a technician, a technician is a driver. And so you would have people that would go on these medic units and sit stagnant. And that's not through any fault of their own. It's just timing of the tests, people's, you know, readiness to go promote, whether they pass the test or not, all those things, all those things play in a factor of time. Obviously, time is everything. Time can be a um, advantage or a, a substantial disadvantage, especially if you're not disciplined enough to make it work for you. And so um, I was on a medic unit. I went to OCS for two weeks, and then I was plopped into a firehouse on day work seven to three. And that was it. And most of OCS was the administrative stuff you would never had responsibility for as a firefighter or as a medic, and now you will as an officer. So the the standards and expectations of everything that you know and what you're held accountable for, you may not get, right? So, you know, I'm not saying the department had a bad OCS. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is how prepared can you really be to walk into the firehouse and learn all those gray areas of leadership that no, they won't be in books? I mean, they could be in books, but you're not going to get a formal education on that. Two weeks won't do it for you. I don't even know if two years can prepare you for what it's like to walk into a firehouse day one and any second you can go out the door and run the fire of a, your career fire day one, right? Those things can happen. Um, there's a kid that works in the department I work for that, uh, day one, I don't think he was in the firehouse an hour and ran a career call where they made multiple rescues and he was part of that. And he did an absolute bang up job. That company, that battalion did a bang up job and it had the outcome we want. But, and what the reason I bring that up is he was squared away. He was going to be fine regardless. However, they had really, really sharp officers with a ton of experience collectively and individually. And again, that's why that worked out very well. So walking in the firehouse day one, not knowing what you're going to get now, you know, not only do you have all this leadership, the fire department calls, policies, orders, you know, strategies, tact, all that, you have that most basic level of human interaction. There's no book that can go out there and teach you how to get along with you, walk in and get along with Scott Thompson on day one. It's not. Your reputation is going to get there way before you ever will, Right. And walking into that is either feast or famine. It's either going to help you or it's going to really hurt you. Um, and we're and, not good in the fire service of forgetting. You can you can get your reputation no. on day one and it'll last a career. You, it'll last a career. You'll never forget about it. I did something really dumb when I was younger, uh, probably five or six years before I ever got promoted. And, you know, 
13 wonderful years ago. I'm still hearing about it now. Yep. And uh, yeah. So and I know you will exactly. on the day you retire, somebody will bring it up. I, I, I feel pretty you know certain what? about that. Yeah. There, there's two things that I continuously hear about of two things that I did. One was on work at work. One was off. None of them were illegal or immoral or anything like that. It was just right. stupid. And um, you know, I still hear about it all the time. Um, and not, there's nothing, there's nothing written in a book where you're going to read that and be like, okay, I get it. I know how to handle that. And, and so I wanted to touch on that a little bit. And then I apologize for getting a little uh, off topic with it, but um, no. you know, not preparing leaders in the fire service well enough. There are fire services as a whole, not preparing its leaders. What, what, what do you mean by that? And let, I want to dive into that. So I think we fail to recognize the complexity of a company officer and their leadership role. And, and Gordon Graham used to, used to really do a great job. And I'll paraphrase a little bit of, of what he says. But when you think about it, we take uh, young men and women and they're embedded leaders. You're, you're living with the people that you're in charge of. And because many fire departments have these outposts in terms of firehouses, we're decentralized. And then we have three or four shifts, work groups. And so leadership right away becomes complex because of the decentralization of how we operate. And so what we, what we obviously do is, is we look at the private sector, we look at the military, uh, and, and we, we look at what there exists, and we try to make that fit when we do commit to some officer development. We try to make that fit uh, in the fire department environment, and, and I don't think that is a good fit. I mean, some departments do better than others, um, but, but I always said if I could um, develop a promotional process that tested four things uh, this would give me a good indication about leadership. Now, this is kind of talking about the back end of it. So then the question becomes, how do you how do you develop an officer development program that provides it? So first of all, I, I want my company officers and my shift commanders to remain relevant, right? You, you've got to know the job. This is a very technical thing that we do. It's blue collar. It's It's hard work. And it's thinking on your feet. And common sense, a lot of times, is much more important than a formal education. Experience certainly is. The next thing I want to know is how are my embedded leaders going to keep the men and women engaged, keep them relevant and focused where their head is in the game? Then I want to know how they're going to challenge their people to get out of their comfort zone and get a little better because the fire service is changing so rapidly that we have to continually learn the environment, the things they're putting in these buildings. And now we're talking about energy and lithium ion batteries and all the stuff. And then the last thing I want to know is, is how is an officer going to respond when things don't go his or her way? Are, are they going to be a, 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 a friction in the firehouse? Oh, you won't believe what the, the battalion chief did or the chief did and, and come in and, and really dilute the message? Or are they going to take some time to learn about it and present it in a way that's going to be beneficial? Because the reaction of one or two company officers likely is not going to change the mind or, or, or the decision. So how do you bring that into the firehouse? But instead, and not, I'm not saying this isn't important, you know, we teach about budgets and we teach about this and we teach you about that. Like you say, maybe, maybe you will, maybe you won't use that as a company officer. But to me, we miss the, the human element. We, we don't, we don't prepare our officers to 
develop relationships in the, in the fact that they understand the type of person you are, how you learn, how you're going to react to, to certain situations. We, we don't teach our officers motivation techniques. I mean, some are very natural leaders and they're charismatic and people will follow them. And because they, they do some self-study, they're a wealth of knowledge. But if you don't have that self-drive, then you're going to, so, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but you, you made the comment about time and how important that is. But in the fire service, the environment is also very important. Sure. And uh, I, I don't know how many stations you have, but even in my five station, uh, five firehouse department, um, you know, we got some really solid environments and we have some that are that are probably closer to average. And so you almost become a victim of that environment that you're put into. But you learn things from those situations. Also, I always learned as much from a bad officer as I did from a good officer. But but I think we just really need to focus on how we as the leader process things, our emotional intelligence, our commitment to the job. Uh, I always say the higher up you go, the more you have to sacrifice and invest. Well, what does that look like? What, what, what should you sacrifice for the men and women who look to you for leadership? And what sh- should you invest? And I think those are the kind of things that, that we need to be teaching our officers. And then the last one is how to be problem solvers inside and outside the firehouse. We do a great job of preparing. We do a better job of preparing you to deal with the problems outside the firehouse, the fire, rescue, and medical emergencies. But we don't teach you how to how to think on your feet in the firehouse when those situations pop up day to day, maybe hour to hour. And, and sure. those can look a bunch of different ways with people having problems at home and their, their family life and all those. So it's really a very complex leadership environment. Uh, if you if you compare it against any industry, even even the special ops community in the military, will tell you how much time they in, they spend gathering intelligence before they go out the door on a mission. Well, we don't we don't have that luxury. And so that adds another complexity that that you have to process information in the three or four or five, six minutes that you're going down the road. You hit the parking brake and now you're putting people who you live with in the firehouse in harm's way. So it's very personal. There's not another leadership role like that, and we, we we should be preparing our people better than any other industry, and we don't do that. And and I'll I'll be honest with you, I've thought about it for a long, long time, and I haven't come up with the solution. So I'm I'm going to place the blame as much on myself as anybody else. I I don't know what the missing link is or what the magic pill is. Well, no, I I agree, and I think it, I think there's varying varying outcomes to exactly what you said. I think when people build that right, the correct culture, you have the experienced leadership, you have a group of people that all want to be there and you have, you know, experienced guys on the back step, you have a good driver, you have a good officer. When all those things come together, it's going to work out, right? Regardless of what the situation is, because you could have guys that'll say, you know, I don't know, Whatever the problem is, they're jumping in. Hey, LT, I got this. Hey, I got that. You yep. know, or hey, we should try this. Or you, you know, you're going down the road. Or you, you get there, and obviously, it's always going to be a dictatorship, right? You have to make a decision. Hey, guys, we're doing boom, boom, boom. This is, you know, everybody knows what the procedure is or policy or whatever the departments have. They know what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be, how they're what they're supposed to do. Um, and then they kind of fill in. But, um, you know, I guess what I'm getting at though is. The, 
the difficult part in the journey is getting to having a group of individuals at that level to where they're not even thinking about it. And it's just boom, 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 boom. Because what well, I've learned is. Coach. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So real quick, what I learned is once that starts happening on calls, a lot of that's fostered in the firehouse. But when you start seeing, when you start seeing that transition of those things happening um, without, without you orchestrating it, and they're happening happening naturally once those start happening in the firehouse on things that's where you really need to be but that's hard to get to and that's hard to do and i think one of the lessons i'm starting to learn is understanding when you have that and how to maintain it once you're there does that make sense absolutely and and the comment i was going to make is that's why culture is so important and i don't want to i don't want to sound like every other podcast um, that no, I, I do, but I, I think it's important just for this one is there's a couple layers of culture in every fire department organization. There's the organizational culture, right? That's how the org and, and culture is all the things that the organization values, the assumptions, the rituals, the routines, uh, uh, the, the artifacts. So mm -hmm. really the, the person who has the greatest influence over the organizational culture is the fire chief. He or she decides where the money goes, the priorities, how people are recognized, so forth. Then you have the subcultures, which are your shifts, your battalions, and your supervisors. You would admit that as a, as a lieutenant, as a company officer, there are things you do every day that aren't in writing. You just do them because that's the way we do them. And then you have your microculture. That's your firehouse and your fire company. So it's important to recognize those because that's how people can understand where they can have the greatest influence in the culture. But independent of all the formal teaching, the, the, the academy that we go through, the paramedic training, whatever officer training we develop, and then whatever policies, procedures, guidelines, general orders we have in place, anything outside of that is the culture, is the yeah. guiding force. It's the unwritten kind of, of thing. So that's why it's such a powerful, powerful deal. And I'm sure in, in your mind, in your time, you, you said a little over nine years, as being a company officer, you've developed a way, just like you have on the fire ground, of sizing up these firehouse challenges. Uh, yeah. You look at the personalities involved, what their influence is, what their past history is. Is this a one-off or are they a habitual, whatever it is they're doing? And, and that comes from maturity in the rank and, and what we call experience and then leading to wisdom with that experience. And I think that's as important as formal training is connecting the dots is to understand how every decision we make good or bad there's going to be a cost to it people are going to perceive things are going to listen to rumors that's just the way it is and i think the more as we mature as leaders we understand the bigger impact of our decisions that helps bring us clarity one-on-one's important but in the fire sure. service, because we are such a great network of passing on false information, um, that, that we have to have that awareness because that goes back now to your reputation, how you handle things, and that's going to stay with you for a career. So, so leadership in the fire service is extremely complex, and, and I don't think we give it the recognition that we should in preparing the people that we put in those, those positions. Sure. And, you know, you also, I think, have to take time to embrace new levels of that as you see fit or as, you, as it starts coming up. So when I first got promoted 
um, we only had four people in a firehouse. And we, at that time, I don't remember how many firehouses it was back then. I say back then like it's a long time ago. It really wasn't. But right now we're, we're over 40, like 45 or 46. And I should probably know that. But anyway, um, and minimum staffing on every, in every, because we staff firehouses, not unit, not fire or not apparatus. So every firehouse that has anyone in it is, and per contract, is going to be um, five personnel, one of which must be a supervisor, is how it says it. Uh, and then there's a couple places that are two man shift houses on the medic unit only at night, but that's their day work. Fire. Anyway, I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole. But when I first got promoted, it was just four of us. And um, if the ambulance went out the door, it's you and the, you and the, you and the driver, and you will go to a fire. And you have to. Oh, so you cross staffed your equipment? Cross staffed, yep. So the firehouse I went to, when I first oh, okay. got promoted, um, okay. I was at a firehouse for a while that was a ladder, uh, like a tractor drawn aerial, and then a heavy rescue squad. And that's it. No engine as a new officer. And you had six on the floor at all times. Two for the ambulance, wow. four for supervision, which was fantastic. And it was day work, was Monday through Friday, seven to three. And you're doing everything every day. And the reason why I bring this up is you have different layers, right? So when I first got promoted, um, people had cell phones and there was Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all those things, means of communications, right? Um, and, you know, it would be two people out the door on suppression in a lot of the firehouses, but I had six guys on the floor. So I was kind of spoiled. I mean, what do you think that does to a, you know, a new officer in his twenties, right? Make your head get big. You're not paying right. attention. You just want to hang out, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you don't think for one second, they're not on their cell phones talking to each other while you're physically there by text. Or Snapchatting each other because now when things are Snapchatted, they disappear and you can't you can't screenshot me without me knowing about it. A little bit of layer of safety, but they don't add you in those group texts. They don't add you in those Snapchats. <laughs> if you don't think that's happening when you're doing stupid things and not stepping up to the plate and being a good officer, if you don't think those things are happening, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Or as a good officer, you could have just shitty people that are going to do that to you. And they're going to, the point I'm making is to touch on what you said of, as far as, um, you know, people talking and, and those things. And that's another layer of the modern fire service now is the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Snapchats, all that stuff, yeah. means of communication for spreading false things. But here's the point, and, th and this is what I'm getting at. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how bad you are. Everyone's talking shit. It's just the way it is. And they yep. may be saying good things. They may be saying bad things. And I saw a post the other day, and it actually I'll pull it up real quick. Um, it actually made me really think because it kind of ties into this, and it's all a kind of accumulation of I think exactly what we're getting at as far as control, right? It's the impressions, and I, and I think it creates that culture of control, and not control as in you know a dictator, control as in. They're following you and doing things because they want to, not necessarily because um, you tell them to do it. Because that interpersonal relationship, you and I getting along is a thing. Like, you don't have to get along to be friends, and being friends isn't the priority. They're going to go along because you have a good relationship with them. So here's the, here's the quote, and it's from the humble servant on, uh, it's on um, Instagram. And it says, good leaders don't think or really know they are good leaders. Because the second they accept the title of good leader, they've lost. 
they've taken the W in the process. They ended their journey. They also understand it is not, it is, it is not and never will be a title, but rather a mindset. It's self-sacrificial way of thinking. There are good leaders and there are bad leaders, but there are no perfect leaders. Even the good ones stumble, but they learn from their mistakes. They acknowledge and admit their failures and f- admit their failures and fix the problem. And the point of what I'm getting at is, you know, the best officers in the world have screwed up royally. But who really yeah. likes talking about the good guys? Everyone wants to dogpile on the ones that aren't that great, and they absolutely slaughter them. You know, so. <clears throat> And I, I guess what I'm getting at with that is you have that's something you have to accept and understand culturally um, to not just shit on people when they screw up because things are going to happen. I don't care how good of an officer you are. I don't care if you work in the best firehouse that goes to the busy, the most amount of fires. If you know someone or you work around them in your battalion or you know neighboring stations over time, they're going to slip up. You're going to know about it. You're going to hear about it. And typically by all means, correct me, because this is kind of how I am. Where do you usually hear about it or see it? Text. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Something. It's right. Some kind of jab is coming up. Hitting hard from the yard is famous for them. People do dumb stuff, and they end up on there all the time. That's a, that's a, 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 a guilty pleasure uh, satire crap. But the point is, it's out there. And I think the reason why I brought all that up, and, and I apologize for being long-winded. No. Um, and it kind of is getting at what I, what I'm, what I want to get at is, you know, the military and I was never in the military. Um, I've worked with a lot of guys that are, and, and I talked to a few guys from here. And one thing I've noticed collectively is the military at every, every level will teach you leadership. Every rank learns something, um, on how to lead each other, lead themselves, lead each other, lead by example, you know, how, you know, it's not a house of cards in a bad way. However, it's a house of cards as in any one person can take down the entire thing. Right. And, you know, when you are teaching them leadership at those, those micro, the smaller levels, they're learning to pay attention to everything along the way. They're learning the guy below them, the guy, they're teaching their stuff to the guy below them, learning from this stuff from the guy above them. And the point that I'm making with all of that is, and everything I've said before, is all of that is a journey to when you become a company officer. That's where you start pulling those things from, right? I never paid attention to that when I was younger. I didn't give a shit. I was just young and made a bunch of money as, at, with you know, the fire department. I didn't have any bills. I didn't have a mortgage. I just I asked off and, and didn't pay attention. And unfortunately, yeah. I worked for some really good officers. And if I would have really focused on that or I had a culture where you know, beyond that company officer saying, you need to learn this shit, I'm teaching you this. I never took that for, I never, I always took that stuff for granted. And I really missed out on a lot of things, I think. And, I, and I'm a lot farther back in my career than where I should be um, when it comes to like the nomenclature, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but like reading the room, knowing these different things, I, I should be a lot farther ahead than I am. And it's because I didn't pay attention in the beginning. But that just shows how important all those things are along the way. And, and and I think if I don't even know how they would do this, and and I, I mean, please elaborate on it um, if you have an opinion. But if we were somehow, I don't know how you would do it, somehow have some type of regular leadership training or regular followership um, education or something along that way, cumulatively it'll it'll be to that point where you just throw in the admin stuff that an officer needs to know and just 
after that part, just build on the stuff they've been learning for the years ahead of time. Because for us, you can promote it five years, which in theory, that means you could be a lieutenant if you get hired at 18, 24. You don't have the life experience to be an officer, I think. I mean, on paper, you do as, as far as um, a government um, entity prom- providing promotional. But beyond that, I mean, life experience, I can't teach you that out of a book. You know what I mean? No, and, and I think that's one of the cool, since 1986, pretty much average out annually, I've traveled someplace in the country to, to what I consider a, a high-performing fire company. Just this past summer, I spent some time in Houston with two of the busiest uh, district chiefs. But one of the cool things <clears throat> that I always noticed <clears throat> about New York, FDNY, and I was really blessed to spend some time with Pete, Pete Lund, I, I know Chief Salka very well, uh, you know, a lot of firefighters there, is that pedigree matters, right? That, that's the first thing they want to see. You, you get an officer that's detailed to a firehouse, a new officer's assigned, they want to see your pedigree. Where, where did you spend your time? Did you go to the busy firehouses? Uh, you know, what, what, what borough, what kind of work did you get or did you hide out at places? And, and I think you know, outside of those, and maybe you do in your organization, we're trying to create it in our little little deal, but but that's important. What have you been exposed to? Um, yeah. The only benefit I believe that I have to appear on your podcast is that I've worked for some iconic fire service leaders. I've worked for Bill Peterson while he was in Plano. Now, I won't make any statements about their leadership styles, but they were iconic in the fire service. Bill Peterson was part of bringing NFPA 1500 into the fire service. So he was a big name. I worked for Bill Strickland in Arlington, who was a, uh, who was the LA city ops chief and, and very hardcore West coast, great, great, great fireman. My very first captain was a, was a Vietnam vet. He was an aerial door gunner. And so uh, when I worked in um, uh, my first or second fire chief gig, my uh, city manager was a, a, Brigadier General in the Marine Corps, and then working for Rick Lasky, who, who was a very good fire chief. But I learned things uh, throughout those. But I can tell you, all the way up to the point that I went to work for Rick Lasky, I looked at leadership totally different. And I went to work for him 10 years. And today I look at it, it couldn't be any different than I looked at leadership prior to going to work for him. He opened up my eyes to a lot of things. So as as we come into these organizations, we're kind of programmed, whether it's intentional or not, to kind of think a certain way and behave a certain way. And, and you know, we, we have we're paramilitary, so we have all this structure. And so we take a lot of the the I get you will the artistic or the, the personal part of leadership out of it. And and that that's what makes us human. And you brought up something about relationships, right? Our success is going to be about the relationships we form. You know, I'll tell you, if if my guys don't like me in the colony, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Um, You know, if if they don't invite me to their Christmas parties and all that. But if any one of them or I ever hear rumor that I don't care about their success and survival in the organization, that will keep me awake at night. That will bother me. Huh? Would you address? I'm sorry to cut you off, but would you would you address that? Would you go like, yo, hey, dude? Oh, absolutely. That that I I wouldn't. Yeah, and I would I would get to the root cause of why that is. I mean, I think you know, I got I have very high standards. I'm a very difficult person to work for, 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm intimidating with, with my loud voice. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're guys who, who, you know, they don't want to go out and drink a beer with me and I get it, but I don't think there's anybody in my organization that would feel like if they got jammed up, if they made a mistake, uh, that I would not be as fair as I possibly could to protect them, not to hang them, but to protect them. To me, that's what's important. And, and I say that to say, I think as a leader, you got to get that clear in your head. You know, you 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 can't yes. you can't go after the the likes and and the popularity thing. You know, I always say, um, it's nice if my people like me. I hope they respect me, but they got to run into burning buildings for me. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Um, and that's why we have that close group of friends that we call who can be honest with us and tell us when we're being a jackass and tell us when we're we're being too emotional or taking it too personally. And that takes a long, 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 long. I, I have made so many mistakes as a leader over the last 38 years, so many mistakes um, that I should have known better sure. on a lot of them. But going forward, my goal is to always understand why I made the decisions I did, understand why I reacted the way I did. And then we all have triggers and we got to look for those triggers that are either going to cause our ego to inflate or our emotions to become out of control. And I think that's part of that emotional intelligence. I know people don't like to use that term because it's this touchy feely thing, right? But, sure. but we know going in, I now I know when I'm going in to deal with a situation, I got to give myself a pep talk. I got to say, Thompson, man, keep your cool on this because I, I know this is directly in conflict with my personal values. I know this person should know better. And I have to get to the root cause and I can't let a lot of emotion and certainly ego get in the way of that because that's going to cause distraction. And so how do you teach people those kind of things? That's what we got to produce in, in an officer development. It, it, it's not time management. It's not report writing. We can do those in classes. But how do you teach an officer to truly be a leader, and, and in my, you know, Maxwell says it, so I'm, I'm not I'm not coining a new term, but leadership is influence. If you're a positive influence and you're producing results, then you're probably a good leader. If you're a poor influence and you're not producing results, your people aren't engaged, they're, they're not trying to better themselves, then you probably have some work to do. And, and it's peaks and valleys. We all go through those to yeah. where we think we're, 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 we're in the zone and then somebody does something or, or somebody says to us and it causes us to reevaluate. But there's the key. The smart leaders are the ones who look themselves in the mirror every morning and say, what kind of influence do I want to be? And I'm going to go back to what I said. How much am I willing to invest and sacrifice today, the next 24 hours or whatever shift you work, for the men and women that look to me for leadership? And and it's it's investment and sacrifice in in the form of comfort of of uncomfortable communications, you know, the crew being taken care of, eating first, making sure they have their needs. Maybe you gotta go have a conversation with your boss, your shift commander to protect one of your people. And and you yeah. you gotta show the courage that I'm willing to fight for my people, but you gotta be smart about it. You you've gotta be willing to uh uh be humble and have humility when you make a mistake. Those are the things I think that we have to teach our officers. And there's not a good curriculum for that out there. Yeah, no, I, well, 
There isn't. And I think the ones, I think the curriculum would be an informal lesson or an informal class. And by that, I mean, you know, if you have, let's say, a 20-year captain and you have a two-year lieutenant that's now there, that's now in the battalion, and you kind of take them on as a, as a mentor, not because you need it or you, not because you're doing something, but he's just like, you know, hey, dude, got two years, you know, or you're a new officer. Hey, how are things going? What's going on in your firehouse or, you know, whatever. I think that's where those lessons get learned because I, I got to tell you, you know, I work in a very busy area um, and I have two uh, neighboring, well, three neighboring officers that are sharp. And um, two of those guys have 20 years. One of the other guys is close to my time on similar time as an officer, but he's older and has more life experience. So that's the whole point is it's not necessarily time on as it is um, productive time. Yeah. Exposure. What have you been exposed exposure. to? It, it's and that exposure. Guy's, exactly. And he's worked some really good areas and he's got less time than me, less time as an officer, yeah. but he's thrown some wisdom my way that I listen because I know he's, an, he's a little bit older. He's mature. So that's the point that I'm making is life experience is huge. You can't teach it. You can't, sell it and hand it out if you could t dude if you could hand out experience and 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 uh, sell it you'd probably be richer than amazon right. but um it's it's just not real it's just not it's not a thing so you know but so that's what, what i'm getting we all at try is to do when we write books right we're trying to pass on experience and some hit and some miss but that's really why you write a book right you want to share your life lessons and hope that it resonates with somebody who's in a similar situation Sure. And I think with books specifically, you can tell who's writing it to sell a book and you can see who's brain dumping from genuine experience or sincerely knows, hey, I screwed this up. You want to know this so you don't so I you don't make my mistakes. And that's the point that I'm making or that the point that I'm making, though, is, you know, you, life experience is going to be everything. And, and I had those three officers kind of when I do something dumb or I screw up something, they're kind of like quickly on the phone, like, you know, hey, dude, what the fuck? And yeah. it's like, and, you know, not that I, not that I have to explain myself, but as officers in our battalion, we're holding each yeah. other accountable because yeah. just as many times as I get hammered for something, I'm getting my balls busted. Right. So that means there's acceptance. And they send stuff my way. Hey, man, I screwed that up. Or, hey, I was thinking this or this out of the other. Or we're chit-chatting. They're investing in you. They're investing Correct. in you. The battalion chief's not involved in it, not out of disrespect. But this is, right. we do this. He doesn't need to worry about that. We do that. And then, you know, like I said, you get your, your balls busted a little bit. They admit their mistakes. They hammer you for your mistakes. They will genuinely teach you. And what, what I'm learning is acceptance, right? You're being accepted because you're able to be another strong link in the chain. So while you go through those experiences, what I've learned is as you get that life experience, instead of saying, oh, that guy doesn't like me, no big deal. Well, saying it's much different than genuinely knowing can't please everyone, right? You, could, you don't have to learn in a book. It's not hard to tell when someone doesn't like it. However, being able to recognize it, acknowledge it, and understand it and just kind of move forward without it actually physically generating an emotion is a whole different lesson in itself.
And I got to tell you, it's taken me a very, very, very long time to do that. And there's some times that I'm not that great at it. However, as I get older, I've learned no matter what I do, it's very unlikely for me to change if someone's going to like me or not. It's just not going to happen. However, if I stay sharp on my job and I'm consistent, I do the right thing, I get out of my comfort zone, I, I say things that need to be said, whether I want to say them or not, whether they're popular or not, you start doing that a bunch. And then that one person that doesn't like you is going to be surrounded by all these other people that you've gener- you've learned or they've learned to respect you. And he starts becoming the minority. He's going to get pushed away. Or, or, which I've experienced, someone could genuinely dislike you because of things they've heard and all those things. And you get there and, and, and you do your job and you're consistent and you do the right thing. You get the, hey, man, I've heard all this shit about you, but. I don't know why they're saying it or, you know, Hey, you know, I can tell you're genuinely trying, maybe you should try this. Like it's a good feeling when you're going down a path that is probably going to blow up in your face and you don't really realize it. And then someone that's close to you or someone that you work with comes up and goes, Hey dude, um, I would not do that. You should probably try this, you know, X, Y, you're doing A, B, and C. You might want to go try X, Y, and Z. I'm just saying. And then you look at it. And if they're even remotely close to being correct, you better take their advice because yeah. you don't, is it the minute you say no to it or you blow it off, it's gone forever. And that person may be a vast wealth of knowledge because they get to see things from a different view, right? They're not invested in the view and they might catch something that you're not seeing because you're caught up in the moment from just lack of experience, too much going on. You're focused, you're hyper focused yep. or tunnel vision on something, and they get to see the big picture, and that's and that's important, and that and that's something that takes a lot of maturity, because you know just because you and I don't get along and I don't like you at all, I can't stand you as a person, doesn't mean you're wrong on a call, it doesn't mean you're wrong right. in a firehouse, it doesn't mean you just got into a weird shitty situation, and you're not actually correct, and you're not immediately wrong because I don't like you, that's a two way street. It's not a matter of, I mean, yes, it is important. Um, to be able to be mature about it. But, you know, I also think you should be just as concerned about your opinions of people because you don't like them and, and channeling that or harnessing that correctly to not allow that to cloud your judgment. Because I'm going to tell you, I've done that. And you want to talk about one really quick way to erode your trust with people you work with? Have someone that you don't like and think no one else likes them either, and then you go blow up on them thinking it's going to be funny and you all can laugh about it later, and it does nothing but absolutely destroy your integrity. I've done that. Yep. It sucks. Yep. And then it takes like – probably takes a good two years to fix it, at least in my experience. I think it was about that time. It sucks, man. It really does. Um, and we're creeping up on that hour, and, and I apologize for getting a little off topic with that, but – Okay. This is one your thing show. I want to kind of get in. Well, I appreciate that, but you know what I mean. Um, one of the last things I want to get into real quick, and we'll start to wrap this up. Um, you know, we talked about prior to recording was uh, how impactful or how hurtful the company officer can be, be it from a lack of experience, the cultural norm, or company officer coming from a strong culture where competence and experience are vital. I think we talked about it a little bit before. I wanted to touch on that a little bit again. Only because if you look at the fire service in its most generic or its most basic, at the most basic level, the most foundational level there is, it's an engine company, right? It's a nozzle team. 
Everything and everyone else, including the company officer, is just support. That's it. Special services, battalion chiefs, EMS, on those fires, I mean, obviously, I mean, we could, you could split hairs, but a general um, stroke of the brush is, is the engine company, the nozzle team, everything else is, is just support. And I think a successful fire service, including the culture, will always be on the backs of the firefighters. Now, there's things those firefighters can't do. You're a firefighter. You're not going to talk to the battalion chief about a personnel call. It's just not going to happen. So that link, that buffer, is going to be the company officer. I want to talk a little bit about that. I'd like to hear some – if you have an experience, maybe a fire would be good, where you you had to step up as a company officer and and you had to be that link. And and, that can be from preparation on a call before the call, keeping the guys – you know, as you said, motivated. I know you touched a lot of it about a lot of it on your book and as as a fun, a functional fire company. And the overall, everything I'm getting is it's it's that company officers the backbone of um, efficiency and, and cohesion between that basic level and and the rest of the department. No, you're absolutely right. Let's let's break down the fire department organization. You know, sure. there, there's one chief. Okay. Now, you may have multiple assistant chiefs and division chiefs. Then you're going to have shift commanders right on down the line. But in in every fire department organization, the greatest number of representation is in the form of firefighters, the men and women that do the task level work, right? And so it's vital that the largest representation, the people who are going to be your first impression. In other words, if we're a mission-based organization, which the mission is very important to us, those firefighters are the ones who are are going to be responsible for fulfilling that mission. They're the the first people that our citizens are going to see and make impressions about. So the company officer's role in making sure that small group is prepared, as we say, mentally, physically, mechanically, and procedurally is huge. The company officer is the embedded leader. He or she allows what does and what does not occur in the firehouse. He or she sets expectations and hopefully standards if none exist, but they certainly will set the attitude for how those standards will be embraced. They're the ones who are going to determine if the fire company is just going to be average or above average. Um, All those things play in the role. And so I, I say that to say the next largest group after your firefighters are your company officers. You're, 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 you know, you have 45 stations and three shifts. Do the math. That's how many how many companies you have at, across those shifts. So it's the largest representation. So absolutely, the company officer is 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 the backbone of any fire department organization, and that's why I have such a problem with the amount that we invest in preparing them. And I'm including myself in that that conversation. That's where our greatest effort should go. Um, But also, you have so many different personalities, so many different influential um, roles. And and we can all agree that every fire department are going to have your top shelf, as Dave McGrail is going to say, your ones who get it, that understand that I volunteered to do this. I mean, Nobody made you become a firefighter. Nobody made me become a firefighter. 
I did it. When you promoted, you were offered the promotion and you accepted that. And with that, you are accepting the responsibility that comes with that. That's an agreement you and I have when I offer you the promotion. Well, some take that seriously and some don't. And, sure. and that's where the problem sets in is we don't do a good job of developing our officers, but we also don't do a good job of holding our officers accountable to a standard or an expectation. And that goes back to kind of where we started is, well, you know, this or that and, and things come off the rail. I mean, you have probably been, let's talk about the fireside. You have probably been to critiques or post-incident analysis. We're going in there. You know, the fire did not go well. And you walk oh, in, everybody's high five and man, good job. Good job. And you're going, man, were you on the same fire I was on? You know, I always made a point to pull my guys right after we got everything packed up and said, let's talk about this. What'd you see? What'd you do? Were we ready for this? You know, all the things that 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 play into it. You know, Mike, why did you cho chose, you know, that line? And why did you cho choose to enter the, the building this way? And what did you size this up as? And what were the conditions? And, and that's kind of where that that experience, you start to turn that from an event into experience and you start to learn things. And when you have those conversations, then your crew starts to pay attention to those things because they know you're going to talk about them. The, the, the captain, the lieutenant, the shift commander is going to ask you about those. So it, it's that's why I go back to the complexity of it is that we have a lot of type A personalities that want to go a thousand different directions. I guarantee you, I have 50 firefighters in the colony fire department that are 100 certain they can run it better than I do. There's no question in their mind that they can run it better. Right. And that's great. That's what I love about firefighters, right? But they don't want to take on the responsibility that comes with that. They, sure. they, they want to offer the, the suggestion, but they don't want to have the solution or they'll identify the problem, but they don't want to. And, and that's what separates us as we go up the chain of command is that greater responsibility. And at some point, we have to start coming up with the solutions. We can't just address the problem. And, and I don't know if that really answered your question, other than to no, say that the company officer is hugely important. And we give a lot of grace to our company officers because they live in a fishbowl. Um, it's pretty much known around the Colony Fire Department that you will not take shots at your company officer acting company officer in a public forum. There's a problem, you will bring it up the chain of command because that person has more responsibility and everybody, every time he opens his mouth, are making a judgment on the words that come out of that. And until yep. you're ready to put yourself in that position, yep. you don't have the authority to lead the public forum on how that person is doing. That may seem unfair, but I give that dignity and that respect to my company officers because I understand how hard their job is. No, it's it's definitely difficult, and it, it's very interesting the way you said that about going up the chain of command. But that that's also something in that in my uh, in my time of of uh, you know just paying attention, you know, um, going down the chain of command, being too buddy buddy with people, kind of like you know I've I've heard a comment before where they said, you know, hey, you guys are kind of on your own tonight. This guy coming in is an idiot. I mean, what do you think that does to that person's leadership and trust? And, yeah. you, and everyone knows you're only there for 12 hours or eight hours or 24 hours or whatever your overtime rank is. Imagine what that does, because that's more impactful. There's more ripples in the pond with that than just a, 
you don't like that guy, so you're going to talk shit about him to the guys that he's going to work with for the night. They will remember that if they've never met that person before, that's their first impression. The first impression chance you would ever have walking in there is gone forever. You're going to be in their mind an idiot for absolutely ever. And they're going to tell everybody they know. Hey, do you know Bill, the lieutenant? Uh, Dave, the chief, said Bill's an idiot. Oh, okay. I got to work with him tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, that's very, very, very damaging. And, and, and I've seen and heard things like that a lot in my time. Um, now with, but, but let's, let's pause for just a minute. Pause okay. for just a minute because you make a great point. And shame on you and I for the times that we've heard it and haven't done anything to shut that down because I have too. But again, if, yeah. if I'm representing the good and I hear some firefighter who I know all he does while he's there is check his stocks and to see how much yeah. his yard crews are making while he's gone and he has that reckless thing. Hey, time sure. out. Your opinion matters to the degree that you input or contribute to this organization sure. and and i think when we start holding people accountable for reckless i mean if it's if it's accurate that that person and causes his own situation but agree. if they're just passing on stuff i mean that's another problem we we, we all claim to be brave firefighters that are going to you know crawl down this hot hallway yet we don't have the courage to stop somebody who comes into our firehouse and starts causing friction, spitting out nothing but damaging communication. Nobody has the courage to stand up and say, uh-uh, that's not going on in my house today. Yeah, You want to stay yeah. here or or hit the road? No, we let it happen. And, and that's why it exists, because they know nobody's going to call them out. That, and then the other thing, too, is the audience, and sometimes that I've noticed is the audience in a, as that. Yeah the audience they put it out to, right? So like, if you were to come to me with 17 years, I'm an officer, I've got some experience, I've worked in some pretty good places, you know, all that. If you're going to come to me and be like, hey, that guy's an idiot, I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude, I don't fucking care. Like, it's 12 hours, who gives a shit, right? Whereas someone young, I don't want to say drinking the Kool-Aid, but like hanging on every word of people that are, that are um, not popular, but you know what I'm saying? Like the- but po They're popular, popular people. Popular yeah, they're going to- they're going to hang on every. Oh, wow. He's an idiot. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to hate him forever. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a real thing. And why? And this circles back to the beginning because at our most basic level, we're human beings. Yeah. That's all it is. And once you're able, I think, to really understand how to interact, talk, carry yourself, give respect, get respect, and do your job efficiently, I think once you you figure out that missing link, I think that's when you're going to be a good officer and a good leader. And, and ultimately, you can do that if, without a rank. That can be done as a firefighter, uh, um, you know, because leadership doesn't have to have a rank. You can, you can lead without, you can collectively, because again, that's how that works of not having a rank to lead is it's the interaction you have with people and having people. Let me ask you one more question. Let me ask you one more question before we leave, though. Would yep. you agree that probably one of your greatest challenges in the firehouse is no matter what it is, is balancing your reaction to what you believe is right based on your experiences and your training and how that's going to be received in the firehouse environment. Is, is that not a struggle for your entire time with everything you do, just about every time you open your mouth of saying, is this reinforcing the direction I want to us to be going in versus 
how are the guys, the gals going to receive what I'm about to say? And what possible damage could it do to my reputation or the trust that I have built with the men and women that I take care of? So here's, I have a, a interesting answer for that. You're 100% correct. And I can tell you right now, there's several layers to that, right? <laughs> there is. When you're at work, what you're about to say, are you hungry? I say that in joke. I say that jokingly, but are you at work, right? Because you can have actions and reactions outside of work. Where are you working? Who's receiving your response? And if you're not on your shift, are you in your firehouse? And everything's going to go back to your crew. So again, it's just like having a parent. Nothing you ever do or anything you ever say and how you react isn't going to do anything but get back to the people you're accountable to every day. Because that's yeah. the way it is. They're not grading you and giving you personnel appraisal, but you want, to, you want a really good way to erode something or to cause friction. Handle the problem the right way on your shift or um, on a different shift or handle the right way on, excuse me, handle it on the correct way on your shift and then be, then let it fly, let it slide on the next shift in your firehouse. Good luck. Cause you're going to destroy yourself or you're at a different firehouse and you do the exact same thing or you absolutely destroy those people, but then you let your shift slide. And then now you have a global problem with your firehouse because there's four shifts and you're picking and choosing how you want to enforce things. There you go. And you know how you learn that lesson? By doing it wrong. And then it blows right. up in your face. And we've all and done it. We've all done and, it. And it's something that I'm sure if anyone's still listening or you know where you're at, wherever you're at through this podcast, I'm sure any company officer with time on is going to know exactly what I'm saying. Because while I was saying, I saw you laughing. And it's, it's so true. And those are the most damaging things. Like I said before at the beginning, you could burn down a house because you just it just it is the way it is, and it's going to be learned from and, and moved on. But those other things that we just talked about that you just asked me will damage for a long time or our career, and people may not. But I also over. think I also think the quickest way to repair that damage is to be stellar on the fire ground. I think if you go out yeah. and and you are a great fireman, firefighter, you know, whoever. But if, if you're really good at doing that, that goes a long way. You know, you 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 can be yeah. a little bit of a jackass in the firehouse as long as people can depend on you on the fire ground and they know that you know your stuff, you're not taking shortcuts, you're going to be there till the end. I think that's the quickest way. to. If you don't have that and you're a jackass in the firehouse, you're in trouble. But, yeah. but I've seen some guys who, who are, you know, nobody really likes to be around them in the firehouse, but man, you don't want to be with anybody else. If it's, but you know, I think, I think that's a seesaw effect though, too. And, and here's what I mean by that. And we'll, we'll wrap this up here shortly. Yeah. Um, I think that's a seesaw effect too, because if you are okay in the firehouse and you're awesome on the fire ground, but all that super important stuff that I just continuously get fucked on. In the firehouse, you can't handle it because you're afraid to stand up to people. I don't really care how good you are on a fire ground because if I'm getting myself ready and good to do my job, you're going to kind of be irrelevant as the officer. I mean, you're not yeah. irrelevant. You're going to not be as impactful as an officer as um, you know someone that has zero time. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're sharp 
like you're just sharp in the firehouse. You have the balls of basketballs. You're not afraid of anyone. No one takes shit from you. Everyone knows to stay out of your way when it comes to certain things. Um, they don't double cross you because they're going to get slaughtered. But then you go on a fire ground and you keep getting lost getting there. and Or you go on the fire ground and you always kind of seem to show up after everything's done. Or you're always in a corner. Or you always have a mask problem. Always have a mask problem. <laughs> you always have a mask problem. I don't know if you've ever had a mask problem before. I've had one once in my career. And I had a weird situation a couple years ago where we're on a fire, bullshit fire, small AC unit in a window, but it got into the room a little bit black smoke to the floor my boot fell off because it got stuck in the door jam i've never had that in my career and i don't know if the guys on i was working overtime when i said my boot fell off i don't think they believe me but that's a whole different story but anyway that's the point that i'm making with with what you said and and i do think there's a lot of value and and uh, substance to what you said but i i do think i mean that's a that's a that's a balancing act man because you could be great on the fire ground but if i'm continuously getting screwed because you're a afraid to stand up to people in the firehouse yeah, there's extremes way. absolutely i i just sure. was making the point i think that that can yeah, yeah, yeah. that you know if people would rather be with you on on those things and, and, and you know but it is it's a balancing act and you want the, the best of both worlds ideally right yeah that's that's what we're striving for yeah and you want to create that culture to where if they see a shortcoming like yeah. all right well Scott's not that great on the on the, in the admin. He's going to screw this up. Hey, Scott, boom, 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 boom. Let's try that. Or right. vice versa. Hey, Mike, you know, on the fire ground, right. you know, I know you kind of get law. Hey, Mike, uh, we're going to come in this way on map page five. You'll see it right in the middle. Oh, yeah, I got you. Boom, boom. Like, you know what I mean? But they know, they know, you know, you just need a little extra finesse or they know. Right. Because I feel like if you are efficient and reliable operationally and you're not and they know you have some shortcomings they're more than happy to make up for those shortcomings when you are able to be a good leader you're able to be dependable and they know um you're going to have their backs on those other things as well so scott i think this is a good place to kind of wrap this up chief i appreciate you thank you so much um is there anything else you wanted to talk about or touch on that we may have missed or elaborate no, no. I, I think we had a good conversation. Um, I agree. If anybody need, you know, would like anything from me, uh, is okay. Give out my uh, email. So that, I was going to say, do you have social okay. media anywhere? Yeah. Um, you have a book, a fantastic book. Um, well, thank you. Know, you. I'm, I'm on it? Facebook because I'm old school and I don't do all that other stuff except when I'm seeing videos of my daughter who's on the road as a rapper, then I have to watch TikTok and all those other things. No, but uh, you can reach me at scott at fireserviceleadership.com. Uh, if you're inter interested in mentoring, I have a packet that I send out at no cost. If you're interested in some training, I'll be glad to get that to you. But uh, anything that I can do, uh, I'll just pass on what's been given to me. I'm, I'm glad to pass it back. So please feel free to reach out. Sounds fantastic. Um, we'll add the links for all of that, your email, the book, um, and then uh, your email. Yeah, I already said your email. We'll put those in the episode description. Okay. Um, you know, guys, this is, again, this has been a great episode. Uh, Chief, you know, thank you. Uh, don't go anywhere real quick while I close this out. Okay. Uh, guys, thanks, thanks again for coming back. Um, I said a couple episodes ago we're going to be taking a break for Christmas, and that didn't happen. So we got more episodes coming out. Look forward to uh, you guys joining us again. Thank you for your time. Uh, tip of the Spirit Leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thanks, guys. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you.